Clough and Sean Drotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. My name is Sean Drotar. Santa Clough on my right. Happy Friday. You've made it. Congratulations. Your reward apparently is another afternoon of thunderstorms and hail and tornadoes. Congrats. But uh, what are you going to do? The free agency world is about to explode here for the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche. We will certainly get to the Nuggets. Ryan Blackburn of Mile High Sports will join us in just about an hour for all the latest on Bruce Brown and potential developments there for the Nuggets. But we start with the Avs. And, and before we even dig into realistic possibilities, Sandy, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm a little on one today because I, I'm doing my morning research and there are members in in town of, of the media who maybe should know better and maybe there's some cynicism there because they're just looking for clicks and I'm not going to bother naming names. I will just say this. I get it, Avs fans, because we, I get it all the time, but what about bringing back Ryan O'Reilly? But what about Matt Duchesne? Let me be as clear as possible with this. You can cue the Taylor Swift. They're never, ever getting back together. And if you're listening or reading someone who makes that suggestion with even an ounce of seriousness, find yourselves a new avalanche analyst to pay attention to. Those are unserious takes. Both of those guys left the teams under disastrous circumstances on personal levels in which, by the way, the people who run the franchise and the organization are still there. I hear and see from media people much more of that nonsense than I hear from any fan, to be honest. And if you're talking about fans who may read or listen to these people because they read or listen to anybody and everybody and anybody and everybody either has all the credibility in the world or no credibility at all, you're not talking about serious fans who would pay attention. Uh, to that nonsense either. Uh, uh, the only ones, uh, again, would be unserious people who have no sense of history, uh, no memory, and it's not like we're asking people to go back 20 or 30 years. Uh, these are developments within the last decade that led Ryan O'Reilly to being traded. Uh, and I know the Avalanche got, for a few years, a fairly useful defenseman in that deal with Buffalo in Zadorov, but that was addition by subtraction from the Avalanche point of view. And I understand that Brian O'Reilly went on to perform very well, not so much in Buffalo, but in St. Louis, where he won a Stanley Cup in 2019 and was the uh, Stanley Cup final MVP. Mm -hmm. Matt Duchesne, to my way of thinking, left... Uh, again, as part of a three-way deal, was traded to a team for whom he is no longer playing. Uh, not the team that just bought him out. That that would be Nashville. And he's had some good years in Nashville. But he left on even more toxic terms than O'Reilly did, in some ways anyway. And the last thing I remember about Matt Duchesne here was the one of the years, one of his final years here, Patrick Waugh was the coach. He scored his 30th goal, I believe, did a little dance. And Patrick Waugh, after the game, late in the season, another lost avalanche season that would not result in a playoff berth, 
without being asked a question, simply started his press conference by blistering Matt Duchesne for lack of professionalism and uh, an aversion to winning that Patrick Woff found detestable. At that point in time, it's also worth noting that I think these were not popular players. When yeah, they left I, I, by the t- the uh, not a lot of the teammates were lamenting moving on. In neither fact, one, neither uh, one. At the time, there they, were they were there thoroughly were disliked that, by their teammates. Both you know, of we, them we had were talked thoroughly to some of those disliked as well. for, for different reasons. They were counting down the days until well, Matt listen, Duchesne would be moved on. Uh, Matt Duchesne always thought of himself as uh, Connor McDavid uh, or something very close to that, and he wasn't. So he had an inflated opinion. Uh, of his own self-worth and Ryan O'Reilly was a money grubber. There's there's no other way to put it. And I think uh, certainly in, in St. Louis, perhaps some of his better qualities came to the forefront, but here all he wanted was money, money, and more money. And he was a minus player here virtually every year. He was here virtually every year. He was here. Uh, in many ways, the high point for both Duchesne and O'Reilly came in 2009-2010 when both were rookies and the Avalanche made the playoffs. And both had a great deal to do with it. O'Reilly is a penalty killer, a very good defensive forward who scored eight goals and I think had 18 assists that rookie season. Uh, Duchesne had 50-plus points during that rookie season. And uh, well, they added Tyson Berry in what was maybe – as good a draft as the Avalanche have ever had. First round pick, Duchesne, number three. O'Reilly was in the low 30s, I think right. 33 overall. He was 33 overall, round. you're correct. And Tyson in the third round was 64 overall. And actually, Barry was here after Duchesne and O'Reilly. And remember, and Matt Duchesne's up until that couple years ago in Nashville where he got to 86 points. The two best seasons he ever had was in 13-14 with the Avs with 70 points. That's respectable. Right. And, it's and, not superstar and that, level. That was also a playoff year. That was Patrick Waugh's first year and Joe Sackick's first year as well. And as then 67 in that, in that second year of 10-11. Right. And those were the two best years in, in O'Reilly's Statistically, case, and I, right. I will give him his rookie year uh, because he was outstanding. And oh, certainly. O- 55 O'Reilly points was too. Yeah, Listen, 20, it, right. They were, they they were, they were really major good. factors it's in the Avalanche the making not, the playoffs after a year in which they were uh, one of the worst teams in the league. It's not that they're not good players. 2009. It's not that they're not good players. That's not the point. But it, well, The no, point no, is the, the, I, the way that the, right. the relationships broke down with the team and the player, and in certain cases, or rather the, the entire family, savaging uh, <laughs> with well, the teams publicly, um, th- those don't get that, put That back. was a problem, too. Those don't get reassembled. Uh, they just well, don't. No, no. And, and you know, the, no, the, the, no, the Avs have uh, no interest in either of these guys. They've been there. They've done that. I'm, I'm just saying if they had remained the players they were and the people they were during their rookie seasons, they might have stuck around yeah, longer. But they didn't. But and Duchesne but, was but, here but for their idea of an encore was, was putting up, uh, you know, a few stats, especially Duchesne, in years when they did not after that make the playoffs until 13-14. They've had 14 seasons plus with these two guys already. The Avs have with O'Reilly and Duchesne. Uh, they've been there. They've done that. They, they know the players. They know the people. They know the way the team was was left. Uh, it's not happening. So just stop, everybody. Just move on. You, every single year, 
there's always a couple folks. But what if they brought Ryan O'Reilly back? They're never bringing Ryan O'Reilly back to the Colorado Avalanche. He is never going to wear an Av sweater. Sorry, everybody. Where would you Get play used him to it. anyway? Where would you play him now anyway? On a third line? Fourth line? You're set at the center position for your top three that lines right now with McKinnon, Johansson, and, and, and Colton. And part of Duchesne's problem here is that Duchesne only wanted to play center. He didn't want to play in the wing. So, but it, abs fans, but I, I, I don't get know it. what you what I what understand you, the what nostalgia. Hey, listen, there there are three guys who have been bought out recently, out of the eight most recent buyouts in the NHL. Who to me, well, at least two. Uh, and I'll highlight two that would be of some interest to me for different reasons. Taylor Yamamoto, former Edmonton Oiler, uh, was picked up by Detroit recently for the purpose of buying him out. Mm-hmm. All right? Okay. He's a right wing. He'll be 25 in September. I don't hate that. And we remember him from the playoffs, yep. even though the Avalanche swept the series. I, I thought Yamamoto as a fourth-line winger, maybe a third-line guy, I think he had 10 goals and 15 assists this past year. Uh, you have the computer in front of you. You can check me on that. Uh, he did, 10 uh, and 15. But the year prior, by the way, 20 goals and 21 right. assists. Okay, and he's 24. You're right. And, you know, played on a terrific team. Small, with, now, with very Edmonton, small guy. That's a concern. But, Speed well, small guy, 5'8", okay. 153. I'm, I'm saying fourth line. I'm not talking about putting him up right. on either of the first two lines. Blake Wheeler is 37 in August, but just made too much money for the Winnipeg Jets who have bought him out. Blake Wheeler's still a fine player. The very productive well, player a as a right captain wing the team as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, captain, but but even if he hadn't been captain, even if he even if he wasn't captain, he was one of the guys you think of over the last 5 years when you talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. He's one of the first people, if not the first person, you always think of. And I think for a team that's in win-now mode, bringing him in here might make some sense. He started in the 2008-2009 season with Boston. Since then, he has had exactly three seasons in which he's had fewer than 17 goals. Three. One of them, he had the injury season his first year with the Thrashers when he only played 23 games. He still had seven. One in Boston in the 2010-2011 season. He had 11 goals, but in 58 games. And he had 15 goals in 50 games with Winnipeg in the 2021. When he's played more than 50 games in a season, Sandy, at least that, and he's even been better than that before, if he gets into 50 games, you're talking about a guy that scores 17 or more goals, period. Year in and year out, he scored 16 last year, 17 the year before that. And you worry about the age over the course of the the season. He was a minus three in seventy two games. Uh, not amazing, but, but also they, not awful. They weren't a playoff team, mm-hmm. the Jets, in twenty two twenty three. So, I, was it his fault they weren't a playoff yeah, team? Yes, a third or a fourth liner. But uh, again, the, the somebody of, on a third line or even on a second. The as have had luck with Jared, the Darren Helms and the Andrew Coglianos of the world on, on that side oh, of their he's, he's a better player. Than and, offensively. Right. Offensively, he's a better player than that. But I don't think in this case better the age necessarily scorer. scares you off. No, the Avs no, have had success with this. You're talking about one year. Mm-hmm. One year, two years tops. I think. I mean, that's the kind of deal you'd he's work 36. out with him. You're he's not gonna getting work. paid. Right. That's, that's what a buyout is. you got means. a buyout. Right. He's getting paid by somebody else. You can sign him 
Yeah, his Dirt buyout cheap. was yeah, $8.25 million. Right. I mean, you just got a pretty good check right now. So it's a matter of, right. it, it, are you a team that why he'd like he to fit play on? here? Right. Where do you want to play? Why, now? why wouldn't he He has the luxury here? of deciding where do you want to play? So that, I'm that's. Not, I'm that not saying he fit. won't have other suitors. Certainly. Because I think almost any contending team would be able to find a place for a guy who's good still for 20 goals a year. That you know is good in the locker room on top of that. Well, which yes, is as a former captain. So uh, those those make some sense when you're talking about the additions that could be made. And when you talk about uh, contenders, mind you, the Avalanche uh, still co-favorites to win the Stanley Cup as it stands right now with their friends at Superbook, uh, along with at this point now a couple of other teams, the Oilers and the Knights. But uh, if you're Blake Wheeler, guess where you're looking? You're looking at those type of teams, Hurricanes, Avs, right. Oilers, Knights, uh Bruins, those are the teams you're looking at. Proven goal scorers who have physically more or less held up through their mid-30s. They're valuable. Not for four or five years, but for a year or two. But he's probably not in a spot where he's thinking about a four-year deal either. It's a good fit. That sort of thing makes sense to me. And there are there have been, uh, obviously... A good chunk of, of of buyouts of late. This has been a really remarkable week in the NHL where you start to see lots of restricted free agents get swapped for one another. And in some and cases, unless, they get bought uh, out. Most of them aren't worth paying any attention to. That's why they were bought out. And you got a bunch of guys who are in their early 30s, have never played much, didn't play big roles for their teams this year. Uh, in some cases, were shipped out this week for the sole purpose of being bought out by the team acquiring them. That was the only consideration when those people were acquired. Yamamoto didn't play for Detroit this year. They picked him up this week and they bought him out right away. It was a foregone conclusion that they would. It was just cheaper to buy out than the player they end up trading away. That's the deal. You're getting a discount. So it is a, a sort of an odd situation right now in the league, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is a, for the Avs, they're in a, a good and interesting spot because we know they're in good shape for the top of their roster. We talked about the lines uh, last year. We are going to assume that Valerian Natchushin comes back because we've heard no reason to believe that he won't, even though there's still some mystery about uh, what happened during the playoffs. But you, you have five of your top six are set. You don't necessarily have that extra winger. It could be Evan Rodriguez if they bring him back. Uh, you know that you have Ross Colton centering that third line as it stands probably today. You have a little more depth than Frederick Olsson, who they brought in in the Austria prior to the draft. You know, maybe there's a chance there. He does have an NHL deal, not a two-way deal. So presumably he'll get a look maybe on one of those bottom two lines. You know, you have Logan O'Connor. The defense is in great shape. Five of your six are good to go. You will get Bowen Byram back. They know that. And tomorrow... The Avs today have $8.5 million under the cap. Tomorrow it's going to be fifteen point five because Gabe Landeskog gets right. to long-term injured reserve, his $7 million salary, then goes back on the Avs' salary cap as he is ineligible to play for the entire following season. Uh, not a shock because they know he's not going to be able to anyway. So you're talking about a contending team. By the way, it's top it, six just forwards. People, you it, need one. He was not placed on long-term injured reserve last year, this year. which was... This past year. Which was at times questioned because they could have used exactly. that money when it came to the trading deadline to get depth, and the lack of scoring depth is part of what did the Avs in. They're not going to make that mistake this time. 
And so you need to get one more skater for your top six forward lines. You need to get a third pair defenseman. And yes. otherwise yeah. you're filling out your, your bottom two forward lines uh, with veterans that can still play more than likely that want to win, that are ready to win right now. And I think the Avs find themselves in a in a pretty good spot in that regard because yeah, you talk about a guy like Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler has whether anybody signs him makes eight point two five million this year because he just got the check. So if you're the Avs and you go to a guy like Blake Wheeler and say, hey, you know, we want to add some more guys, you know, can you take a lower deal because even if we gave you one point seven five, that gets you ten million dollars this year. That may get it done as long as you're the place he wants to play. So the Avs find themselves in a really good spot. And it is not, I, you know, they're, they're not quite as good a spot as the Denver Nuggets are. We'll get to them as well. But it's a good spot, given the fact that they do have, uh, you know, restricted free agents that they can choose to bring back or not. I remember if, if they if they feel good about Dennis Maugan or Ben Myers or what have you, uh, that's their choice. And they can certainly get him back. So they have a lot of options to work with. And for Chris McFarland, who has been, I think, uh, Pleasantly, I, I shouldn't say it's a huge surprise because we've seen him be aggressive, but pleasantly aggressive this this week. I'm, I'm surprised. I don't mind saying getting, that. Getting I, ahead I, of I things didn't so think, quickly. I didn't think they do nearly as much as they did with the draft for one, and I didn't see him making two deals prior now, to the draft. After I mean, July first, yeah. some free agent moves, some minor moves in free agency. Yes, you could foresee that, but as active as they were this week. I, for one, did not see that coming. Well, who would you like to see? Not Ryan O'Reilly or Matt Duchesne. We've gone over this, everybody. There will be a quiz later. Other than them, who would you like to see? The Avalanche Pursue. The number is 303-831-1340. You can call or text. We'll talk about that as well as the Denver Nuggets as we break down a holiday weekend and a lot of free agency coming up next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Nuggets uh, will be underway in free agency in moments, really. I mean, you're talking about... uh, Less than two hours. That's right. It's coming up very, very quickly for the NBA and its free agency period. And of course, all eyes on Bruce Brown. When you're talking about Bruce Brown's situation, it it does feel a little bit. And I'd felt over the course of the week that things were starting to slip away there. I think they probably still are slipping away because when you look at the competition in the market, and you've brought this up, Sandy, I get that, that Bruce Brown around the league at one point, you may look at it and say, well, there's a lot of talent, but he's only done it one year. But you know what? That's a lot of what the available unrestricted free agents look like. You're either going to be throwing a lot of money at a, a break-the-bank guy like your Kyrie Irvings or your uh, Russell Westbrooks or something like that, and nobody really plans on well, doing I, that if you're I, I think I there's think at least two other teams who are a little more sophisticated than that, or they may have learned their lesson from 
expressing no interest in Bruce Brown a year ago, and those two teams would be Indiana and Dallas. And both and, of them are, are clearly in the hunt right now right. for Bruce Brown. And Indiana in particular seems to be getting a lot of mention. Yes. Um, our friend Matt Moore from Action Sports, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Stein from Substack, our own Ryan Blackburn. And quite frankly, I've heard I've heard the same later. this morning as and well. And I've heard the same thing. And yeah. Indiana has one, Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. That'd be a nice backcourt. Yep. And two, some sixteen million dollars in available cap space at the present time. So they are well positioned financially and competitively to be an interesting suitor for Bruce Brown. Uh, they can pay him top dollar. They can put him with another guard who's considered one of the better young up-and-coming guards in the league. And they're in an Eastern Conference where even last year, they were pretty much in the playoff chase all year long. And and remember, uh, they added Buddy Heald, who's on the last year of his contract. So, I mean, you have an elite shooter there. Uh, Benedict Matherin, the terrific rookie uh, out of Arizona, also there. All of a sudden, I mean, you're looking at guys like uh, you, you talked about Halliburton, who's tremendous. Halliburton healed uh, Miles Turner in the middle. One of I think more the more underrated uh, big men yeah. in the league. Is, I, is I he a star? My, no, Miles but he's Turner's, underrated. Miles Turner is a nice Matherin's player. Very spent talented. A good deal of time last year talking about how he was going to be traded to the Lakers. Maybe that was wishful thinking. Uh, yeah, regard. but but he's a pretty good player. Yeah, I as mean, centers go, I, he's, he's an average NBA pivot. Jalen Smith is is there with depth. Uh, Jordan Jordan Nwora, who's another good depth player. Uh, you have uh, a TJ McConnell as your backup coming off the bench on the reliable guy. Uh, Indiana is uh, not in bad shape, and I think as you as you pointed out, Sandy, the the Eastern Conference is in a little bit of flux. Now, my guess is that somehow. Chris Middleton and the Bucks get back together, but oh, I, I don't. So. But I don't know how Chris right. Middleton gets more than his forty million dollars. Well, he doesn't, which is what he turned down. So they must he be doesn't. looking at something else. Yes, they're the Celtics, looking for a longer term deal in the thirty million. The Celtics added range. Porzingis. The Sixers are going to try to find a sign and trade for James Harden, and then after right. that, you have kind of a, a Cleveland had a great year, and maybe they're they're really up and coming. They may very well be, but after that, it's a it's a Knicks, Nets, Hawks. Indiana last year finished thirty five and forty seven. Right. They missed the playoffs. It seems like they're they're kind of a bad team, but the truth is they're really not that bad. They look like a team that's about ready. If you add a Bruce Brown to this, now all of a sudden they're 7-8 deep, and in, a, in an Eastern Conference where it's kind of mushy between that 5 and 10 spot. I agree, and, and spot, I, I agree. and it they, was they all could, year. They could was. leap up and this find is, themselves even missing the playing tournament. something that all of a sudden developed. They could be up in the sixth seed next year. Yeah. It's, it's not something that developed in the last few weeks of the year. That, that it was crowded and topsy-turvy between 5 and 11 back east all year long. Only one team, the, the Miami Heat. The top four teams remain the top yeah. four teams. But even in the playing tournament, the Miami Heat were the only team in the playing tournament in the east that was over 500. Two teams, the Hawks and the Raptors, were each 500, and the Bulls were a game under it. Right. There's, it's not a, a huge leap to assume that an Indiana team that, that adds Bruce Brown, that gets you know a second year from the third, that all of a sudden uh, gets a little more time with with Heald and, and Halliburton together, uh, that they could make a, a pretty big jump. You're talking about needing to make the playoffs, Sandy, a six-game improvement from last year. Six. Now, that is that is not insignificant, but when you're talking about adding Bruce Brown and the existing youthful talent they have, it's also not asking that much. And it's also possible that, in fact, likely, that all of those teams ahead of them 
one or two of them will regress. That's the way it works all the time. So it's not well, very difficult to envision an Indiana Pacers team that adds Bruce Brown to uh, to end up at least in the play-in tournament. And I suspect as painful as it would be for Nuggets fans to lose Bruce Brown, you'd rather lose him to an Eastern Conference team like Indiana where you're not. Well, sure. it's not going to impact your playoff run. twice. Right. No, I, I think with Bruce Brown, what a change from a year ago. First day of free agency, no interest whatsoever. Nuggets sign him on the second day of free agency. Apparently, the only team that had any interest whatsoever in Bruce Brown is the Denver Nuggets. And even to the Nuggets, they they knew there was no interest in him on the first day, so there's no need to jump right in. And he was paid accordingly. Now, you have, oh, up to a half dozen teams, maybe, conceivably, all could be interested in Bruce Brown on the first day of free agency. Nice spot what to a be change in, right? from last year. And I don't think the perception of Bruce Brown is that he had this outstanding year and boy, there, there are greater things to come in terms of numbers I, I think his starting status might change, but what we were talking about at the end of the year, the Nuggets had six starters. Yes. They, they really did. They Correct. had six guys getting most nights starters minutes, quote-unquote starters minutes, which means 25 to 30, maybe even a little more. And Bruce Brown played more than 30 minutes in several yeah, playoffs. he played starter minutes, absolutely. Right. And essentially in the playoffs, he was a starter. What the Nuggets, unfortunately, I think showed the rest of the league was all the ways you could use Bruce Brown and make him valuable. And I thought that was apparent last year when he played for Brooklyn. Not last year as in, well, two years ago now, right? right? When he played for Brooklyn and he was guarding bigger guys and they moved him around and he wasn't stuck on one position. Actually, that was the great irony in all of that, that the Nets showed the rest of the league how Brown could be used. But, see, the Nets were such a mess otherwise that I think people just kind of reflexively looked at the Nets and said, that's a mess, and Bruce Brown played for him last year. So he must have been part of that mess, even though he wasn't. I, I mean, it's lazy thinking, but it's different when you go from an organization like the Nets to the Nuggets, when the Nuggets win a championship, and Bruce Brown does a lot of the same things for the Nuggets last year that he did the previous year for Brooklyn, just nobody was paying attention. Right. Now people are paying right. attention because he played major minutes on a championship team, even coming off the bench. Given- and he did start this year during the times that Michael Porter Jr. was out, and the Nuggets did virtually as well. And... At the end of games, as we were frequently reminded throughout the playoffs, including in the game that decided the NBA championship, in the final minutes, Bruce Brown was in the game with four other starters. Michael Porter was on in, the in bench. In the last four minutes of the game, as impactful as any nugget, and he's going to get paid for it. The the uh, it, it's it's so funny, and you you 
you did a great job dismantling it. You know, yesterday the Athletic was talking about how the Lakers were so uh, were very confident in their ability to sign with a mid-level exception. I immediately laughed that off. Um, the reports now is that the outset of free agency, Brown will meet with the Rockets, Mavericks, the Knicks, and the Pacers. Those are the four teams. Uh, the Lakers aren't on that list because he was never going to take the Lakers one no. year, 12 million MLE. It, it, stop it. it. To no stop sense. with the Lakers, get it everybody no they want nonsense. But, but again, those were media-driven sure. reports. Because, because apparently anytime, nobody still knows what to do if you're not writing about the Lakers in the NBA. Right. right. Anytime the Lakers are involved with any player of note. Everyone turns to drooling idiots. Everybody starts thinking, wow, with LeBron and Anthony Davis, imagine how good player X could be. Well, no, player X seemed better uh, than them anyway when they were speaking them. There are a lot of high-profile free agents out there. But as I've said consistently over the last few weeks, there is not a better player, in my opinion, there is not a better player in free agency than Bruce Brown. There are several guys who will likely make a lot more money mm -hmm. because of reputation and position. But maybe not as much as you Bruce think. Brown doesn't have a position. But... Will they be making twice as much as Bruce Brown? I'm not so sure of that, especially if Indiana's involved. Jake Fisher, who writes for Yahoo Sports and uh, started covering for Sports Illustrated back in 2015, a guy that does know uh, the league, and uh, a guy that came out of uh, Northeastern University, and so you know a little more familiar with that area. But he, he wrote his story today for Yahoo. And... The, the point he made, and we talked about this being a distinct possibility. That's why I said forget it. Unless you start at $15 million on a multi-year deal, Bruce Brown will return to the Nuggets. I still feel that way. The problem is I think teams are willing to do it. Fisher today reported that Indiana, with their outstanding cap situation and tremendous youth, because the, most of their major players are under contract for multiple years like the Nuggets, are looking to make sure that they, because they, you know, they're the Indiana Pacers, they're used to getting... Much like the Nuggets used to be. Oh, Dallas is in. Well, okay, that we'll lose to Dallas or we'll end up losing out to Houston, one of these big market teams. Indiana, according to Fisher, is ready to offer Bruce Brown $20 million a year to just shut the, the discussion down on day one. And if they do that, that's what's going to happen. And you know what? You if they think? do that, good for, uh, but if they do that, good for Bruce Brown and good for Indiana. Identify your guy. Go get your guy. And uh, it, it would hurt for Nuggets fans, but you know that's always the risk. But you know who would also be celebrating that? Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. Oh, of course. His teammates, Jamal Murray, specifically talked about it. We played the bit where Jamal was saying specifically, hey, now Bruce gets paid. And, and yeah, and he may have. He may have misspoken. misspoken. He used the word extension. But but the but, energy but, behind but, but, it was but, good for right, him. Good for Bruce he Brown. Won, Bruce he's going to go get, get, paid. get paid. And you look at the guys, and you, you have easy access to this, but I don't think we have to get into a long conversation about all the people in the NBA who make $20 million a year or more who can't hold Bruce Brown's jockstrap. And they're many and varied, and they exist all over the NBA. And... What Bruce Brown has shown, you know, when people say, well, a team is one player away from mm -hmm. playoff contention, one way uh, they can get to maybe contending status, mm -hmm. if not for a title, then maybe for a high finish in their conference. 
and 10 more wins next year gives, I think, Indiana a chance to be in the top five, top four I, I, even, with yeah. home court advantage in the Certainly first top, round. Yeah, I think game. so. You know when people say that? You've heard it. Yeah. Right? Bruce Brown. Our listeners are one player away. Bruce Brown he does put them one player. is that one player. Indiana he was is the a playoff contending team. the Nuggets, team. arguably. Yeah. It, well, even if Murray and Porter come back, the Nuggets are still one player away. They had Aaron Gordon. They being, had Michael Porter Jr. Right. From being a championship team. And certainly, at the very least, a championship contender. And in my opinion, it w- with, with all due respect to Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Christian Brown and you know, Murray and Porter coming back and playing as well as they did, especially Murray. Bruce Brown was that one guy. He was the one player away. If you put Bruce Brown. And when Brown, they got Bruce Brown and put him into the old Will Barton role, mm-hmm. well, presto, they won a lot more games. The role that Will Barton should have taken but wouldn't take. Well, yeah, but yes. if if you look at the minutes. <laughs> Correct. I, I get, I get By point. the end of the year, they right. were close. Here's here's the, If he were to get $20 million a year from Indiana, Here's roughly the players he'd be paid like. Jeremy Grant, Jared Allen, Lonzo Ball, uh, Nikola Vucevic, Marcus Smart, Tim Hardaway Jr., Joe Harris, Keldon Johnson, Yvonne Fournier. Kind of your point. That's kind of where he belongs. If not even a little bit more than that. <laughs> I think he's probably a little bit better than most of the guys we just listed. See, Different it, but positions. It's you know, we, we, at we, the same time, you we, know. We sometimes are guilty of, of saying, well, fans don't understand the nuances the way team executives, management, ownership do. Right. Or even players do. I'll tell you what. They have the same biases, maybe not as extreme, maybe not quite as clear-cut, but the same biases as anybody. Everybody talks about positionless basketball. Why wasn't Bruce Brown a player of major interest a year ago? Because he didn't have a position. That's why. Right. And you look at the guys who are going to make big money in free agency. I mean... I, I guess people think Draymond Green is such a good player, he really has a position. In point of fact, he really he doesn't. He kind of doesn't. Uh, Jeremy Grant has a position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Middleton has a position. Uh, Austin Reeves has a position. I'm looking at different position groups here. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet sure. has a position. So, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, who I don't think is going to make big money. I don't think so either. He's just not. I don't think so either. But he has a position. So, you know, people talk about positionless basketball, but in the way they behave and the money they pay out, the guy's got to have a position, seemingly. If Bruce Brown were to get $20 a year from the Pacers, keep in mind that would make him roughly, and of course this will change when other guys sign their contracts, but if Bruce Brown were to get $20 million from the Pacers, as it stands today, he'd be roughly the 77th highest paid player in the league. I don't know if even the Pacers would think that's all that bad a deal because Bruce Brown is clearly a winner. If you are injured, you need a winner, and that's why you need to talk to our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001 is the phone number. 
Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients, and they will get you right. They'll push for to get your maximum recovery, whether it's by settlement or by trial. They have locations all over the Front Range, Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the DTC, Colorado Springs, and even up in Cheyenne. So when you're hurt and you need a winner, don't hire someone off a billboard. Hire someone you know that will fight for you and gets the wins. That's our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. If Bruce Brown leaves, Sandy, or maybe when Bruce Brown leaves, what are candidates to replace him? Obviously, it's going to be hard apples to apples. Probably right. can't be done. So I, I don't think it can be because there's no player quite like Bruce Who Brown can you league. find, however you're the Nuggets, to mix and match with the talent you have in order to keep that drop-off to a minimum? We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. We're talking about free agency, of course. Uh, free agency in the NBA starts in about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, Bruce Brown reportedly to go visit four teams, but the report from uh, Jake Fisher out of Yahoo Sports uh, indicates that the Indiana Pacers, who have the wherewithal to do it and have no desire to try to compete with some maybe teams that have a little bit bigger money are going to flex their salary cap space and perhaps offer Bruce Brown a deal worth $20 million per. And, Sandy, I think even though that would hurt for the for the Nuggets, obviously I have a tough time replacing Bruce Brown, there's a part of me that thinks that's the best possible outcome for all parties because, well, one, it's great for Bruce Brown, who'd make $5 million next year. Then he's made his whole career just next year with the Pacers, so good for him. Uh, it would It's okay for the Nuggets because the Nuggets were never going to be able to get to that number. And it's okay for Nuggets fans who also realize the Nuggets were never going to get to that number. He's going to he'd go to an Eastern Conference team and uh, I think even fans can say, well, okay, he was great. Good for him. He got paid. Nuggets couldn't afford that. Okay. And, and, and there's, no, there's no bad feelings, nor should there be no matter if Bruce Brown goes anywhere obviously. Uh, deserves the standing O the second he comes back to Ball Arena, no matter what uniform a he's wearing. standing ovation. And the, but for the Nuggets, they have to take a look then what would be the next option. I'll give, right. Now, we talked about Lonnie Walker before yeah. uh, yesterday from the course, Lakers is a possibility. Lonnie Walker's a clutch client, Correct. which seems to tie just about you want to know who ends up on the Lakers. all clients at clutch into the Laker scheme. Refresh Either my memory. They're who, already there. Who co-founded Clutch Sports? I can't. This well, is, uh, I'll, I'll run down the list of clients, and these are all people who either now play for the Lakers or are rumored to be on the verge of playing for the Lakers. Cam Reddish, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Lonnie Walker the Fourth, uh, Talon Hunter Tucker, mm-hmm. Troy who Brown had Jr., been there and then Tristan Thompson. Jared Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. That's the main reason Bruce Brown is going to the Lakers. I'm only kidding, folks. He isn't a clutch client. It's also not going to take yeah, one year. You can't play million. for the Lakers if you're not a clutch client. And, uh, of course, LeBron James co-founded Clutch Sports, so uh, one of the reasons. That I guess if you're Austin Reeves, you can. Austin Reeves can. That they make an exception. Uh, yes, Austin. Austin Reeves. They can make an exception. They're going to have to. But uh, you would be looking for guys with similar skill sets, and oddly, one of the ones that. 
Uh, and actually, I, I, I will credit this uh, to a caller who called honestly about a month ago and brought up this possibility, even when the Nuggets were making their run of a player they could add in the offseason. And it was shortly after the, the Nuggets vanquished the Timberwolves and suggested that Nikhil Alexander-Walker could be a target for the the Nuggets in the offseason. Uh, I actually, I really like the player. I think there is a little Bruce Brown type of upside in him. He's only 24 years old. Uh, he was also set to be a restricted free agent, and I couldn't imagine that Minnesota would let him go. Uh, yesterday, they decided not to extend the qualifying offer. Somewhat right. surprisingly, of course, Nas Reed gets the new big deal from them. There's only so much money to go around. How much money are they paying to the three centers? Uh, a, a lot. Like uh, $100 million? It, it, Most of that? it would be, I mean, obviously, Townsend. I mean, if it's not next 30s. year, then it's some year down the but road and sudden, not too far down the road. Nikhil Alexander-Walker hits unrestricted free agency. Right. That is something of a surprise. And uh, that's a player that I think would be an ideal fit, much like I, I said about this time last year, Bruce Brown should be the guy that the Nuggets should pursue. And I think Alexander Walker would be a really, really good fit. The question is uh, how many other teams would be interested. But you're talking about a lot of similarities um, when you're talking about these two guys in something of the skill set, in something of the size, in... I don't think Alexander Walker is as good a player as Bruce Brown. He's also two years younger. Picked higher, 17th overall back in 2019. But that's the kind of player that if you were to move on from Bruce Brown, and remember, the $7.7 million that they could offer Bruce Brown is not because that's what's left for the Nuggets to spend. That's because he had a player option, and so that's the maximum he could be offered under the CBA. You could offer more to another player. Sure. If you wanted, the Nuggets are about $16 million under the second apron, which presumably they will want to stay under. Oh, well, yeah. But you could what actually... What are they, $6 million under the first and sixteen under the second right now? Yes, right now. And the presumption, of course, if they had somehow if they somehow retain Brown, then they immediately jump over the first. So we know that the first is not but, an impediment. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's, no, they're willing I, to go I, over the first. I don't think it's an impediment for very many people. The second... The second One is because that's when it gets a little uh, a little nutty. It gets expensive. But Alexander Walker would be one of those guys that that vaults really to the top of my list as a fit because you're talking about a guy that can give you big minutes if there's an injury, can give you a little bit of everything. It is pretty scrappy and may not end up breaking the bank. Uh, last year made. Three point five eight million, obviously, off the uh, end of that uh, rookie deal, and I think would probably get something of a raise. But if you want to sit in that six six and a half yeah. million that Bruce Brown yeah, got last year, I agree. With that you. might get it done. I'll, I'll give you a couple of other ideas, um, maybe along different lines, but mm-hmm. in that salary range of six to eight, Mason Plumley. I do like the idea of getting some more size, for sure. Even less expensive, I imagine, Terrence Ross of Phoenix. Player we both kind of like. Yeah. Um, Walker's another one. You've already mentioned him. Schroeder is maybe a guy for I, me. I've, I've liked Dennis Schroeder a lot. A Laker I've, who I've is not a clutch well. client, by the way. <laughs> but but reportedly, the in the playoffs during their series with Golden State, after Draymond Green had kind of roughed them up in the fifth game, before the sixth game, and I think in the fifth game, didn't Anthony Davis get hit in the head? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Draymond so did Draymond he's things. still feeling the effects from that. And they're they're on the warm up line, layup line. And Schroeder says, You don't have to worry about Draymond Green tonight. I will take care of him. Well, Dennis Schroeder's way of taking care of Draymond Green was to pick up his second technical foul, scrapping with Green. And you may remember the scrap. I think Green put the basketball into Shooter's face. Right. They, they both got teed up, but Shooter had been given a technical earlier in the game, so he gets thrown out of the game. But the fact that at 172 pounds soaking wet, he was willing to sacrifice himself to maybe challenge Draymond Green in a way that other Lakers weren't Without risking do, Anthony Davis's right? You didn't want Davis floor. doing it. You didn't want LeBron doing it. And LeBron and Davis apparently get along with Draymond Green. And I, I don't think it's a factor that's detracted from either one's game, but I do get the sense that maybe they, uh, you know, friendships don't necessarily, with those two guys, friendships don't necessarily die once the, the opening tap is tossed. Mm-hmm. And, so they, they don't really want to get into now it you, with Draymond Green because they're they're friendly with him. Dennis Schroeder doesn't care. No, he does not. And I like Schroeder a lot. And I think if they not signed Jalen Pickett, I'd be banging the drum a little harder for that. But I, I do wonder with Jalen Pickett, and of course we heard Calvin Booth earlier in the week talk about Colin Gillespie as well and believes they're kind of, uh, if not set at point guard. At the same time, you're talking about uh, Gillespie, of course, will be in his second year, but has not played. You'll be talking about two guys who have never played an NBA right. game. Having a veteran like Schroeder behind Jamal Murray makes an oh. awful lot of sense to me. Yeah, and uh, the, the other thing I liked about Schroeder was that he was more effective in his second stint with the Lakers than he was the first yes. time around. And so if you can get that Dennis Schroeder, I think he's worth pursuing as opposed to the guy who played for the Lakers initially his first stint, uh, who wasn't nearly as good or impactful. Schroeder, I think, would be an interesting addition. I like that. Uh, we, we know that the Nuggets, by the way. Uh, the NBA, I have no other uh, point guard in whom I'd even be slightly no, that's the, Given he's the, given the, the options on the he's roster, the that's the one I'd like to. He's I'd say you could go ahead. I mean, I kind of like Javon Walker a little bit, but I, but I would feel more confident knowing that you're going for a, a title again to have someone who's got that higher level experience. And to me, I agree. I think, I think Schroeder would be the guy I like. I, I like him a lot. And the Nuggets, by the way, is the NBA grows more international, but the NBA, uh, when it comes to the Nuggets, are maybe more international than, than most. Obviously, you know, Jokic is from Serbia. Right. Uh, Murray is Canadian. Vlako Chanchar is from Slovenia. Right. They drafted Jack White, who's out of Australia. Uh, even Reggie Jackson, who probably is not coming back, even though we think of him as a Colorado product. He was born in Italy. Yeah. Uh, Schroeder, of course, from Germany uh, is an option. And then maybe um, maybe another one, another intriguing option from a, a country you don't think a lot of basketball about. And I'm not going to steal his thunder because I had this conversation uh, off air with Ryan Blackburn earlier today about an interesting prospect, one of many that uh, he explained out at Mile High Sports. So we'll talk to him. Ryan Blackburn will join us next right here on Mile High Sports. <laughs> 